Good morning, Grace Point. God bless you. Let's stand for the word this morning. Amen. How many is glad to be in the house of God today? We're glad to see you. Uh, let me find my place. First John chapter 3. We're going to read verses 4 through 9. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, I'm titling this Bible verses that hurt your head. I mentioned that last week. Anytime you can find Bible verses that seem to hurt your head, your mind is what I'm talking about, your understanding, naturally, um, don't overread those verses. In other words, don't bypass over those verses because contained in those is a tremendous promise. A lot of times, but most of us have been raised with a mixture, at least, of law and grace. Some of us have been raised more law than grace. And we tend to read verses in the Bible as threats instead of promises that are actually meant to be a promise instead of a threat. We read verses because of our English translations and sometimes see them as conditional when they're not conditional at all other than being on the condition of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us and on our behalf. 1 John chapter 3 verse 9 or verse 4 rather of 1 John 3 says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. And then it says, and you know, well, let me say this in verse 4. And that's a whole message in itself, and I have written articles about it. I've, I've put a chapter in my book about it. But most of the church really struggles with what sin really is. They see sin as something they do. In other words, they steal a piece of candy, they sinned. Or they lusted, or they, they did this, or they did that. They did something. In other words, they see sin as a verb. Most of the time in the Bible, in the, in the New Testament, sin is a noun. The fact the first time the word sin appears in Genesis, God used it and it was a noun. I mean, those noun is a person, place, or a thing, an entity, so to speak. And that's what sin is. In the book of Romans, the New Testament, it uses sin more than any other New Testament book. And 39 times uh, it is recorded and says sin in Romans, but only 30 only one time out of 39 times is sin a verb. Every other time in Romans it's a noun. And if you miss that, if you miss that, you, you, you're going to really miss understanding what Jesus, when it says he, him who knew no sin, that's a noun, became sin, that's a noun. Um, so you, it's, it's, it's very important that we get, get that. So in verse 4, those two words translated sin there in Greek are, are nouns. Verse 5, and you know that he was manifested, talking about Jesus, to do what? Take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. How many believes that? All right. Now, verse 6, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Now, that seems can seem, can seem to be conditional. In other words, you've got to do something in order for this to be real in your life. It's not a, it's not a threat. It's a promise. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. How many of you since you've been born again have sinned? Right, you got to make this verse work. That's why it hurts your head. Verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. 
For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil is sin. Verse 9, whoever has been born of God. Now, let me see your hand if you've been born of God, born again. Uh, let's see what it says about you. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Does not sin. For his seed, the word seed there is the, is the Greek word spermazoia, the, the sperm of God. I want you to see that. This ain't a corn seed. The seed of God, the sperm of God is in him, and he cannot sin. If you've been born of God, you cannot sin. Since you have been born of God, you have never sinned. That's what it says. It says if you've been born of God, you cannot. It don't say it's hard to sin. It don't say, it says you can't do it. See, this is why it hurts your head. See, right, if, you're, if your head's hurting, you're trying to process it with your head instead of believe it with your heart. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Well, have you sinned since you've been born of God? Well, you must not have been born of God then. You got you to say what it says. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his sperm remains in him, and he cannot sin. Why? Because he has been born of God. Because he's been born of God, he cannot sin. That's in your Bible, right? In your New Testament, written post the resurrection of Jesus Christ by one of his apostles named John. Okay? So before I understood the finished work of Jesus on the cross, and before I understood what was made new in me, then I would look at verses like this and they would hurt my head. I would just have to read them and go, I don't understand that and just skip over it. Or you would hear preachers try to explain, well, what this really means is that you don't just practice sin, you don't continue to do sin. No, that ain't what it says. It says you don't sin. In fact, it says you cannot sin. And it says the reason you can't sin is because you've been born of God and the sperm of God is in you and you cannot sin. One translation said it's impossible to sin. You cannot sin. You say, well, I've sinned since I've been born again. So that's why we're going to look at verses like this that seem to be so challenging. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, help us to get the revelation of what you're saying through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Before I get on into this any deeper, uh, Becky, you want to testify or anything? Or? Won't you come tell them what that word meant to you last Sunday? To you and your husband. We, we, heard, we heard from Crawford. I'll put you on the spot. She's not scared to talk. If you were here last Sunday, you know at the end of the service, uh, just a couple of nights before, uh, so like Friday night, I had a dream. And I saw, the, I saw Becky and Crawford stand before the Lord. And I saw the Lord hand them a Better Homes and Gardens magazine. And tell them that, that God had a better home for them and the garden represented land that they would get not one or the other but they would get both I had no idea that Crawford would take the mic and say let me tell you the rest of the story and told me what was going on in regard to that and they were in the process of, of praying about that and doing something and, and actively looking I had no clue come here Becky you already and I talked to her after church on the phone she she called me and she was a, a mess I'll say it that way a good mess a big mess. <laughs> I'll probably start and be a mess again. 
I really had gotten to the point that I thought God had just forgotten me and forgotten all of our hopes and our dreams and our wishes. And that word just meant so much because it reminded me that he likes me, he loves me, and he hasn't forgotten me or, or, you know, our family. I stayed home because Jason and Sarah were in town and I wanted to spend a little more time with them before they left to go back up to Athens. But I wasn't supposed to be here because I would have just fallen in the floor, run around the building. I don't know what I would have done. But I just, I fell apart. Because when Crawford showed it to me, he showed me the picture of the Better Homes and Garden magazine. And I thought, yeah, okay. And then Wendy had had, had uh, taped it. And um, I realized, I said, I thought, oh, good. Dale had a word for somebody. And I was like so excited about it. And then all of a sudden I hear Crawford and Becky and I went, huh? And then I start hearing the, the word that was given and I just fell apart. And Crawford and I just sat there and both cried. And then I went into the spirit of laughter. And I said, I can't control this. I don't know what's wrong with me. And then he's like, okay, you got to call. We got to call Dale. But to kind of give you a little bit of the rest of the story, we... we it has been like it wouldn't work out, but I've been asking my mom to sell us some of her acreage and, you know, just being a, a mother that's much older, she just, she just would not do it. And I just felt like it was never going to happen. And then this other property came up and it just seemed like it wasn't going to happen. And it just kind of was back and forth, back and forth. And now we're on, so amen. <laughs> so we're so we're getting the garden. <laughs> yeah, she didn't know I was going to call her up. Now I put her on the spot, but she's—I knew she'd do good. She's a wonderful teacher, school system, and just just a blessing. And uh, man, I, I love these guys, and I, I'm so excited. And I love when that happens. You know, when that happens, a lot of times people say, "Won't you do that stuff every Sunday?" I wish I could. I, well, I guess we could. But God's got to talk, Amen. But you know uh, that happened last Sunday, and it, you know that's just one of the great, wonderful things about actually coming here. I, you know, I know, I understand, but but if you can come and be in service, come and be in service. You, you never know when that's your Sunday, when God's going to do something awesome. Like that. I had no clue that was going on in their lives, and and uh, it was just it, it blessed me. A lot of times, you know, you give words and you feel out that, you know, maybe a year from now or two, this may come to pass. <laughs> That's where all my words seem like they are, and, or 10 years from now to come to pass. And to see God actively just really affirming to this couple, hey, you guys, this, you know, this is for you. This land is for you. This, this uh, new home is coming, you know, to, to be built there and all these things. And it's just, I'm, I'm so excited. And in my dream, you know, uh, I told Jill and I said, I think to Crawford last Sunday, you know, Becky was, showing us around you know she was so proud she was walking around she had it decorated so beautifully and uh you know that that day will come uh that we'll get to walk around in that new home and and uh does god care about stuff like that absolutely absolutely you know and i said i felt like that word was for someone else you know i just wanted to give it publicly to them instead in the parking lot and uh so uh after the service uh next this past week uh one of my spiritual sons I'll call him pastor and preacher and 
just a great man, lives over in Nichols, Georgia, in Coffee County. And uh, he had went last Sunday morning b before he went to his church uh, there in Nichols and looked at 26 acres of land and was praying about, you know, doing that and making that purchase. And when he heard that word being given and said he, I said it was for others, he knew it was for him also. And God ministered to him as well. And so he, he uh, amen, give God praise for that because God's bigger than just one situation. I know I should get back on this, but then Friday morning, uh, I, I kind of get, I like to get up and go out and get me a cup of coffee, sit on my back uh, porch area, you know, and just sit outside a minute. And I had someone private messaging me, and I really couldn't place who they were, and they were wanting me to give them my phone number so they could call me. They had had a dream uh, that night, early that morning, and uh, wanted to, 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 you know, share the word with me. And, and so I was trying, you know how, this is how I do anyway, I was searching them on Facebook trying to figure out who they were. Before I just go giving my number to these people, you know, and I don't, you never know what kind of word. And about that time on message, it said, it says, Pastor Dale, this is an encouraging word. You know, like, please give me your number. You know, this guy was on his way to work. And so I sent it to him. And, and uh, when I saw his picture, too, I finally realized, but I hadn't seen this guy probably in 20 years. And when I saw him, he was just a young, you know, 20 college guy, you know, and now he's married and got four kids and and, uh, I, I, you know, I just had, hadn't had any, you know, correspondence, any kind of communication in 20 years with this guy. And he lives over in Statesboro, Georgia. And uh, so he's, I sent him my message and he uh, phone number he immediately called. And he said, Pastor, I had a dream about you last night and I wanted to give this word to you. And I wanted to pray over you if, if it would be okay. And I said, sure, go for it. And, uh, and man, he just really ministered uh, uh, the word of God, you know, uh, to me. And most of the time when the word comes to me, that's your word too because it involves this church. And he said, I saw you sitting in, you know, a church in a congregation and you were sitting towards the back and you weren't wanting to be seen or noticed, you and your wife, and you were just sitting back there. And he said, I was walking up by you and the Lord drew me to you. And he said, I, I walked over and I began to prophesy uh, to you. And he said, I just want to say to you the prophecy. And I want to tell you, this is one thing that I know, and, and you know, so, and, he, and, and you know, and, and I know we've heard words, if you've been raised around Pentecost Charismatic, you hear certain words that almost can become cliche, you've heard them so much, you know, but he said, God says that he's bringing fresh fire upon you, and upon your ministry, and he said, all the 20, 30 plus years that you've been in ministry have been for a time such as this, and that God says, fresh fire is upon your hands, fresh fire is upon your words, fresh fire is upon your life. And he just began to prophesy that. So I walk into my office this morning, and I knew it was the word of the Lord. I'm going to tell you more about it in a second. So I walk into my office, and they're just playing a CD or something. They haven't even gotten into the countdown yet. John has stuck her head in and said they're going to be starting to count down, you know, the five-minute countdown. Is it five or ten minutes? I don't know. Five minutes, I think. And so when I walk in my office, uh, they're just playing a song on a CD, I guess, or whatever, you know. And, uh, and the whole song's about fire, fire falling, fire, fire. And so I, and then they changed the, you know, to the countdown, and and uh, I get in here in the service, and the first song that that they, you know, that she sung today is fire, firefall, firefall. <laughs> and I tell you, and, and even this morning in my prayer, and when God speaks a prophetic word like that, I don't ask Him to do it because He's already given it, but I just thank Him for the fresh fire, and 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 I just I I pray that uh, for all of us and for you, 
And whatever that means to you, I, I believe fire does just what the scripture says. It burns out the wood, hay, and the stubble. All the wasted stuff in our lives that distract us from the, the pureness. The Bible says his voice is in the fire. And I just pray you hear God's voice clearly in whatever that you need to hear God, whether it comes through a prophecy or, or an impression in your heart as you, or, or the written word as you read it, that God speak to you and declare to you uh, that, that fire. Can I just pray that over you right now? Father, we just thank you for fresh fire. We believe the word of the Lord that you've sent to, to each of us and to this house and to this ministry and to this church. And we declare for all those that are here and those that are listening and watching by Facebook, we just declare fresh fire upon them now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for the fire of God that purifies and the fire of God that burns out the wood and the hay and the stubble and all the things in our life that distract and are wasteful things that pull us away from the things and distract us from you, the most precious thing of all. And so, Father, we thank you for that fire. And I declare that fire upon this house and upon every person in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You receive that? Amen. Give God praise for that. And... Uh, so, so this guy, you know, he just began to minister and, and began to declare a lot of other things as well. And uh, one, one thing he said, you know, he said that, that, that I, you know, I see that the minority will be the majority. And that's what he kept saying, the minority will be the majority. And I think that has multiple ramifications and revelations in that for us. And... Um, you know, it, it seems like a lot of times in the earth that even being a believer, you're a minority. Just a believer in Christ. You understand what I mean by that? I'm not talking about race here. I'm talking about just a, a believer. And, and the fact that the Bible calls us believer is the fact that you're going to have to have faith. <laughs> Amen. But our identity, the Bible calls us a believer. That means you have the ability and the capacity to believe. And then another thing that... Uh, I didn't clear this with my wife, but I'm going to say this one anyway, that he said, I was ministering to you, and I ministered all these words and many more. But that's the main thing I felt like was for everybody in here. It was just the fire of God. And uh, he said that, and he kept talking about fresh fire. And the Bible talks about fresh oil. And, and uh, we, you know, we don't get the anointing. Paul said we have the anointing. Man, I spent a couple of decades as a believer begging God for the anointing. And I would think it would come and go, or some morning God might pour it on us, and some morning he didn't. I didn't know and, and, until I read the New Testament, where the Bible says over and over, in three different places, it says, Paul said, for we, you have an, the, the anointing that you have. You have received an anointing from the Holy One. Paul said, we have the anointing. Nobody, no apostle ever prayed for the anointing in the New Testament. You have it. When did it come? When you got born again. It was part of the package. It was the part of it that was gifted to you. So what do you do? What do I do now? Do I pray for the anointing? No, never again. All I do is lift my hands and thank him. And so I, every day, every Sunday morning, I say, Lord, I thank you for the anointing, for the anointed one lives within me. Thank you for the anointing that you have on my life. Now, I pray that I would yield to that anointing this morning. I pray that I yield myself to that anointing, that I yield my mind to the mind of Christ. And, you know, that's, that's my prayer now. So I still pray. But I'm not asking God for the anointing. I'm not asking him for what he already gave me. I don't ask him for the mind of Christ. I say, Lord, help my natural mind to yield away to the mind of Christ that you've given me. Let me not decide this in my head, but let me follow you in my heart. Because your spirit will lead me by the spirit where my head will never go. And so sometimes God offends your mind in order to reveal what's in your heart. Are you following God with your head? Or are you, trying? you won't ever be able to follow him with your head. 
you won't be able to follow God like that. You have to follow him in your heart. Be led by the Spirit. And sometimes it won't make sense to you. It's not supposed to. It's to make faith to you. Amen? And so this guy just kept prophesying over me over the phone and stuff like that. And then he said in, in his dream, he said, then I turned to your wife. And he said, I saw that she'd been suffering with arthritis in her joints and in her fingers. And he said, God began to declare through me healing to your wife. Well, buddy, that was dead on. My wife is so private, and they don't, they don't nobody know that because she ain't going to let me tell nothing. And, uh, but for seven years, my wife has suffered, uh, you know, not, not in a debilitating way, but in a painful way. Uh, and, and has gone to two different orthopedic surgeons about it. And even uh, when she went to bed Thursday night, early a.m. Friday morning, it, one of the fingers was hurting her so bad it woke her up. And uh, here's a guy on the phone that I hadn't talked to in 20 years that the first thing out of his mouth in regard to my wife is God says she has arthritis in her fingers. How many of those? That's pretty specific. <laughs> that's pretty specific right there. And he said, and he began to pray over her and pray over her body. And he was calling out amino acids and enzymes. And he was calling out all kinds of stuff. And he was going for it. And, and, but when he said that, every hair on my body went at attention. And the presence of the Lord was so strong. And, and so that makes me know all the rest of it is so. When all the other things that God said in that prophetic declaration are coming to pass for us, this house and this ministry, and even what Ron was saying was prophesying this morning over this place about this place being filled again and, and people not afraid of this virus and all these things because God's moved in and moved these things out here. Amen. And you was prophesying this morning, Ron, when you was up here. Amen. And, uh, man, I love it. And, and, and you know, and, and then right after that, I, in fact, while that guy was prophesying, Pastor Johanna had called me about something else, and I couldn't catch her call. I wasn't going to, like, well, hold on. <laughs> you know? And I called her immediately when we got off, and I said, I said, Johanna, a guy just prophesied to me. <laughs> you know? And uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm getting prophesied to. And it was almost like God's like, man, you were so sweet to do that for Crawford, I'm, you know, and obey me. Here's one for you, son. Here you go. Here's one for you. And, um uh, you know, it's just it's just the way God is. I, I didn't pray for it. In fact, when I pray and ask God to do stuff like that, I don't think he's ever done anything like that. I don't know, but it's those just gifts and those surprises. And, and that's why I was telling Pastor John, I said, man, what a way to start a Friday. Glory to God. You know, what a way to start the weekend and, and uh, just minister uh, the word. And, and even though he said that and we believe that and declared that and we come in agreement with what he said, you know, that doesn't mean my wife's never going to have another pain. I want you to understand that how prophecy works. You know, I found this stuff out. And you Sometimes you hear preachers or some of us were raised with people that make statements that they don't even know what they're talking about. First off, you don't go to people that don't believe in healing and ask them what they think about healing. You're not going to get a good answer. And there are people that are born-again Christians that love God and they're loved by God, but they have no paradigm, no belief system at all. They've been told God don't do it anymore and that those things died away. And they teach a false doctrine called cessationism, means those things have ceased with the death of the last apostle, which is just nowhere, nothing even in the Bible ever even remotely suggests such heresy. But yet people take heresy, traditions of men, doctrines of men, and make it biblical. And Jesus said, if you do that, you nullify, you cancel out the power of the word of God. You take on traditions of men, vain traditions that are powerless, and you believe them more than you believe God. And if you believe a tradition or something that's not in the Bible more than you believe the Bible, that becomes your reality. It's not real and it's not true, but it's real and true for you because you believe in it. 
If you believe a person hates your guts, you won't look at them, talk to them, or fellowship with them. But what if they don't hate your guts? Somebody just told you that, but you believed in it, so you start avoiding them. You block them on Facebook, and you're missing a friendship that they, you're mad with them. They don't even know. You see what I'm saying? But it's, it's what you believe matters. And, and, and everything about uh, prophetic word and declarations and however they come, the whole Bible is prophetic. And I told you last Sunday that the, the, in, in Revelation it says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And the word testimony, uh, the root word for that word translated in English, testimony is a word that means uh, replicate it, duplicate it. In other words, do it again, God. And that's why we give testimonies. That's why we give testimonies. And, and, and the Old Testament talks many places about that the children, it said the, Eph, the children of Ephraim, I think Psalm 78 or 73, I always can't remember all this stuff, but it says that the children of Ephraim went out armed with, with, with you know, for battle with spear and bow, and, and they went out and they were fully uh, armed, but it says that but when the enemy appeared, they turned back. They turned back, you know, because even though they were equipped, but and, 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 and you keep reading it, and it says they turned back because they did not know the works of the Lord. That's why each generation would tell them, and even the, the Hebrews that didn't come out of Egyptian bondage, they knew that their grandpa did, their, their great grand. In other words, they kept telling those testimonies so that when, when you get in a situation, you look back on that testimony for strength in the moment. And you look back on the Word of God, and we have the testimony. Somebody said, Well, I don't have a testimony personally. Well, it don't matter. You have God. You have the Word of God, and that's the testimony. That's where it talks about keeping the testimony and the Word of God. And, and, and you, you, you have the Word of the Lord. And that's why that, that I tell these stories sometimes because I, I want you to be hungry for the Word of God. In other words, I, and I don't mean that you're hungry in the sense that you are incomplete. We, we've got to break that religious thing that, 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 you're, that you're broken. Nobody in the New Testament ever prayed for brokenness. Oh, break me, Lord. You, God's not going to break what he made complete. The Bible, I told you last week in Colossians, the Bible says you are complete in him. You're not broken in him. You were broken, sin broke and wrecked and ruined you, but God put you together in a new creation. And you're not broken. You may feel broken. You say, well, I thought he's a healer of the broken heart. He is a healer of the broken heart in the sense he's a healer of them with broken hearts. It don't say he heals the broken heart. Read the scripture real close. It says he's a healer of them with broken hearts. And, and, and God understands the emotional aspect. But sometimes what you don't understand is that, there, you know, sympathy is the opposite of faith. And when you see somebody suffering and you see them because sympathy pulls you into an emotional place where you try to minister comfort to them. But where faith will pull them out of that situation, it don't drag you down there with them. It pulls them out of that, and it calls them to higher ground. It calls them to the destiny, the purpose, the healing, the deliverance, or whatever that God has already provided through grace for them. And it calls them out. So, so it, you know, yeah, we're touched when we see people suffer, and we're touched with with situations where we see people. And, and this, the testimony, I didn't know what Becky was going to say, but I knew that God would use her. But, I mean, you know, Jill and I, we, we, we felt the same way, you know, in our lives. So we, we, you know, and I, we just felt like God, you know, it's never going to happen for us as far as land. And, and, uh, and I remember, you know, and I, I was a paramedic, and I was, you know, but, but it seemed like everybody around me was making more money than me. 
And I remember even my brother, two years younger than me, he, he lived in a two-story house. I don't, you know, had multiple bedrooms. And my dad had a two-story, five-bedroom house. And, and we lived in a trailer, you know. And there's not, I'm not trying to say that's bad. I'm just saying, I'm just telling my story, <laughs> you know. But we lived in a little single-one trailer. And, and, and there was a difference in how everybody lived, you know. And sometimes we would go fellowship, meet with them. And I don't know, you know, I'd be looking at my wife and I wonder, I wonder if she thinks that I'm not a good provider. You know, because I just can't roll like this. I can't roll like these brothers are rolling. You know, I didn't have the funds. I just didn't. And, and but God blessed us, and we, you know we were all right. But but in her heart and mine was a desire to 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 do more and to have more and to be blessed like that. And 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 and, and, and I'm trying to you know long story speed it on up. And, and uh, but you know I remember uh, we we thought the same thing. I had this. You know, it just it, like it's just not going to happen for us. Where Becky's was like her mom. I remember that we, we, our trailer was on some land that my grandmother had was letting me rent. You know, and we would even try stuff. I mean, like we, we you know, it, 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 you know, like well, do this. I mean, she's like, no. <laughs> she was like, no. I ain't, I ain't signing nothing. I ain't. I wasn't asking her to give me the land. I wasn't even trying to buy the land. They was just some paper. The sign that I could have got a loan that would have made it better anyway. So just nothing seemed like it worked out. Then I remember when we were living in these little, little apartments, and we done had two kids, and, it, and uh, you know, it was pretty tight in there then. And I remember that my dad come to me because he saw that, and we, we had verbalized that we wanted a home one day. We wanted to have a home, build a home, you know, whatever, you know, get out of these apartments and stuff. And, I, you know, more to me, I, you know, some people who love apartment life, I've always, I've lived in them two different times. I hated it both times. <laughs> I mean, I hated it. I remember the apartment we were living in, you know, the, like the, there was a guy living next to me, had a girlfriend. Anyway, she pulled up, you know, she drove around on the grass to the apartment. It was a bottom floor apartment, just headlights on bright, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, blowing the horn. She was mad at him because he wouldn't answer the phone, you know. She was going to get his attention. Well, she got our attention, too. You know what I'm saying? And that kind of stuff went on, man. I just hated all that. And, uh, and, and so I, uh, I, you know, we prayed about it, and it just couldn't. And that's back when interest was double digit, all right, in the early 80s, man. Anybody remember that? And, uh, I mean, you know, there wasn't none of this 3% house loans in, you know. It was, and, and uh, it, you know, it was 10% or higher back then. And that even would just further make it go, well, you just can't, you just can't do it. You know, the payment's going to be too high. And I remember my dad said, well, I'm going to buy six acres of land, son, and, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an acre. And I'm going to give you an acre of land, and you can put your uh, double wide out there on that or whatever for you and Jill, and I know that will be a blessing to you, whatever. You know, I, well, Daddy, you know, thank you. Appreciate it. And I thought, well, man, that's good. And so we got real excited. And uh, we went out and looked at the property that he was going to buy. And this was property that was shaped like a triangle. And on the front part of the property was a paved road. And, and, then it, and there was actually a dirt road on the very back part. And the land, you know, land went from dirt road to paved road. And uh, I had so much country in me and was so tired of being around people. Daddy said, pick out the acre you want out of any of these six. Just, just pick it out. Which one? I said, I want the one on the back corner back here that's on the dirt. This faces the dirt road. They said, you don't want the paved road? I said, no, Dad, I want the dirt road. Give me the dirt road. <laughs> he said, all right, son. So you, he said, I'll, we'll, we'll, when I, once I get it bought, we'll deed out an acre there for you. And he said, now, I'm going to uh, make the rest of this. I'm going to put mobile homes and all on this, you know, an investment for me. I said, that's cool, Daddy. 
I was like, at least we'll have some land, you know. We can call our own and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to make this dream happen. And we'd ride out there and sit, you know, and I was excited about it. And then me and my wife started going to every Sunday afternoon after church, we'd go to mobile home places looking at those mobile homes and double wides. And they got fake bread in there, and they used to have, and I don't know what they got now. They had fake bread baked and fake this and fake that, and, and they were all furnished, you know, and they had them big garden tubs. And I was like, man, I'd be like, and they had fireplaces, and I thought, man, I'd be like a rich dude if I had this. And I, we wanted one of them so bad, we was trying to figure out how to do it. And, and, and then my dad called me a few weeks later, and he said, son, I was working on all this, and he said, talking with, uh, you know, some uh, lawyers and stuff, and they just said, that's a bad investment for me, that I can make a lot more money if I do something different than that, and I'm just not going to do that right now. That's okay, Daddy, you know, well, I understand. I said that, but boy, it broke my heart. And then I knew when I went home and told her, it was going to really break her heart. Because we have been pulled up so many times and then rug snatched out. Pulled up so many times, rug snatched out. And you get the feeling like sometimes, like, well, God's done forgot you, but he hadn't. I promise you he hadn't. Most of the time, God's got better for you than you believe for yourself. And he's trying to get you to stop settling for less than what he wants for you. And my highest aspiration was just to have a double Y. Glory to God. I'd be happy then. And I've seen people in double Ys. They look happy to me. So I was like, hallelujah, I'll do that. And, uh, and so it just didn't happen. I had to go tell my wife. And she, you know, kind of teared up a little bit, whatever. She's tougher than I am. So we went on. And, you know. And in that apartment, you know, it just wasn't fun. Man, we had three total windows in that apartment. And we just loved it outside. And I got so much a little bit of country in me, I'd go out there to the, to the shrubs around the apartment complex. And, you know, and I'd plant like a tomato plant or a jalapeno pepper plant or a bell pepper plant. You know, and just, I just wanted to dig in the dirt and grow something. You know what I'm saying? And here comes the guy that done the grounds at the apartment, just mowed it all down with his weed eater. You know what I'm saying? By the time I got it up good, you know, it was like, oh, gone. We always have to leave, try to go to a park so the kids could play because you couldn't put a swing set there. It just wasn't a good deal for us. But it, it just seemed like nothing would happen. So one day I was reading the, the paper. Uh, the newspaper, I was just looking through the want ads, whatever. And I didn't, it wasn't something I did. And I, I didn't even take the paper. I was over at my dad's and he, he took the weekly paper uh, of Cook County. He took the paper and I was just looking through it. And I saw a little ad that said, uh, land for sale uh, uh, near uh, town, call the number. And I said, what the heck? Let me just see what this is. And it didn't even tell what the, the amount of land would be. But it said a, a lot, like a lot. It said a lot for sale. And I said, you never know. So I called the number, and the guy answered the phone, told me who he was, and, and uh, he was a guy that actually owned a, a business in, in town. I didn't know him personally, but I had eat some of his chicken at his business. You know what I'm saying? He, he ran a chicken place and sold chicken. And, and uh, so I knew him from that, and uh, he said, I've got some land he said, yeah, I've bought some land, but I want to, you know, I don't want all of it. I don't need all of it. I want to sell some of it. And I've got two lots that I've got set apart. They're both 1.25 acres, and I want to sell each of those lots. And I said, well, where's the land at? And he started telling me where the land was. And this was probably six or eight months after my dad had said, no, I ain't going to be able to do it. And so he, he tells me where the land, and I was thinking, that sounds out like that road that where my dad was going to get that. But uh, I still didn't think that's what it was. He said, can you meet me out there? I said, yeah. He said, I've already got it surveyed and flagged and everything. 
And so I met him out there, and you know the story. I pull in, it's the exact six acres my dad was going to buy. Don't tell me there ain't no God. So I pull in, and, and, and I'm thinking to myself, because they was, I'm thinking, yeah, what he's wanting to sell probably is that cone of that triangle. You know, that sharp, you know, I, don't, I, I want to this. And I, and I was kind of holding my breath. I said, which parts are you selling to this? I didn't even mention to him my dad was going to buy it before. He said, I've got two lots back here. One of them was the lot that I was wanted. He said, Daddy was going to give me an acre. This guy's got it 1.25. God always does more than you thought. <laughs> and then the paver, right in front of that was the paver for 1.25. He said, I got both of these lots. He said, right here. He said, what I want you to do is buy both of them, and I'll be done with this. He said, because I'm going to come right over here and build me a house for my family. And we're going to have about four, about four acres, and, and uh, that's all we need. And uh, I said, well, how much you want for it? And he said, well, that back lot back there, because it faces dirt road, I want 2500 for it. And this is the early 80s now. And he said, the front paved road, I want 3000 Now, see, I was raised with a poverty mentality and a poverty thinking. Even though you're born again, your brain still works like it used to. It's being renewed, but it takes time. You with me? And so I said, well, ain't no way I can afford both of it. Could, could we just stop doing that as Christians? Could we stop letting the first thing that comes out of our mouth saying, I can't afford that, I could never afford that, I can't do that. Jesus don't like us to do that. He loves us, but he don't want you to, because it makes him look like he's not a good provider. In the boat one time, Jesus told his disciples, he said, beware of the philosophy or the teachings of, the, of, of Herod and the Pharisees. Don't get caught up in the political and the religious systems of this world. And, and they said, you know why he's saying that? Because we, don't, we, we have only one loaf of bread between all of us. We have no bread. And Jesus rebuked them and said, why do you say you have no bread? Why is your first thought to take inventory of the balance of your checkbook? When I'm trying to bless you and help you, what's the first thing you do is break out a calculator? I'm not saying you don't use a calculator, but I'm saying that shouldn't be your first thought. You should the first thought to be, what's God trying to do here? Jesus said, why does your first thought go to what you don't have? Everybody in the Old Testament, you know, the prophet said, told the woman, make me a, a, a cake. She says, I only have a handful of meal. That's what everybody does. God says, do this. I only have a little bit of oil and two sticks. See, we always go what we don't have. But what you do have is God on your side. That's what you got. You got God on your side, and you got God for you. And, and so he showed me those lots. I said, I can't afford. And, he, and, and I said, I just want this back one back here. This paid one. I said, I'll take it. And I said, can I write you a, a check for it like a deposit? And I wrote him a $50 check and tore it out and handed it to him. And he, and he just kept on. He said, well, I want you to have this front lot too. And just, he said, I'd rather that way there just be two families out here, me and your family. And, uh, and, and my kids, he had a daughter and a son that was the exact same age as my daughter and my son. And I said, I said um, Mike, I can't afford it, brother. I just, can't, I just can't. He said, well, when could you afford it? He's <laughs> probably pressing me, getting all up in my Kool-Aid. I said, well, I, I said, there ain't no way I could even begin to afford it until I got my truck paid off, my little truck. He said, well, how much, how much longer is that going to be? I said, eight more months. That little Chevy S10 be mine. Didn't have no air conditioner in it, but it was mine, glory to God. You know what I'm saying? He said, it, 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 you know, he said I'll tell you what I'll do. Will you go ahead and buy both lots, 
and I'll delay payment of that three thousand on the front until you get your truck paid off, and we'll make it a year from now. And then you start paying me on the front lot. How about that? I said, "How much in interest you gonna charge me?" He said, "How about none? How's that for you?" <laughs> now I don't even know this guy. This guy's pushing. You know what? You know what it is. God's using that guy to try to shove a blessing down my throat because I'm too afraid. I got too many chicken feathers and ain't got no eagle feathers. Don't be like me, like that, like I was. Still ain't arrived on 100%, but I'm a whole lot different than I was then. But see, we was raised poor. Somebody put up on Facebook this week a picture of, a, of a, you know, the, the ceramic heaters, you know, some gas heaters where you light it and stick your match in there. And they said, whose grandparents had this? I was thinking, like, grandparents, that's what I grew up with. What my grandma had, it, I, we had it. And we did. You know, my kids, they don't even, they think I'm just makeup. But it was my job in the morning to get, get up. And I know some of you did worse than that. But it was my job to get up and go around and light those space heaters, we called them. In every, we, I lit one in the living room. I lit one in the bathroom. And I lit one in the back kitchen. And I went to school many a morning with no eyebrows because the match went out and the gas got too thick. And those things had a humidifier. It was called a coffee can half full of water that you set right in front of it. Some of y'all ain't got a clue what I'm talking about. And I did that every morning. And I actually cooked when I was at junior high on up. I, you know, it, was, it just was because mom and daddy both worked. So I was the oldest. So they said, you cook breakfast for everybody. That might have been French toast or, I mean, which I loved. I loved to cook today. But I, I, cooked, for, I cooked breakfast every morning for our family. And then go to school. And, and, and in the wintertime, that old house didn't have, one, didn't have one speck of insulation. Didn't have no insulation. It was up on block, didn't have no insulation in the attic, none of that. And it'd be so cold that Mama would take a, a, a bed uh, covering, a you know, quilt or something, stick it in that living room and take a butter knife and run by the casings and lock that blanket up there because that one room would heat up for us. And you, then she would say, y'all go to bed. And we had, we had some, well, we got rich one time though. We, she bought us all electric blankets, and it had that little thing looked like a spaceship. You could with a dial look like a Mars spaceship. You turn crank that boy up, and wait about thirty minutes before you go get in that bed. It was like somebody hold you, and it'd be so cold in that room. Me and my brother, he had bed by me, and my, and, and so it'd be so cold many nights in that room. You could blow and like you know smoke fog come out your mouth. Me and him would sit by that we smoke it. <laughs> Daddy would have killed us if he seen us do that. But that's how I was raised, and, I, and we lived in that house until I married her. I remember being a teenager ashamed of where I lived and how we lived, and because uh, my parents at that time were professional heathens. They, they partied and drank up all the money. It was hard to have a lot. And I love my parents. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and so we were taken good care of. But I'm just saying I remember that some of the other, my buddies say, well, I'm going to go home and take a shower, and I'll meet you back up town. I said, well, I'll go home and take a shower too. We didn't have no shower. We had one bathroom with a tub. Your shower is stick your head under the spigot. That's your shower. But I didn't want them to know that I didn't have a shower. So I'd say, I'm going to go take a shower too. We didn't have no shower. You know, and so I had that mentality. So you got to give me a break. That's how kind of I grew up. That then when I got grown, it didn't make all of that go away in my life. 
And so now I'm a grown man. I'm trying to move on with my family, but I still got that stinking thinking that's working against what God wants to accomplish in my life. And so that man does all that, and uh, he says, I'm going to do this, and then you can pay me later. And uh, in between the time that we made the deal and we were supposed to go to the attorney, God released a financial blessing to me. just seemed like, as they say, out of nowhere, I was able to buy all of it without even worried about the truck. And I remember, this is the honest God truth, I sat with the attorney with that man to buy that land. And now I'm, instead of getting one acre, I'm getting two and a half acres. Okay? Now what I didn't know, or poor Dale didn't know, was that if I had only bought the dirt road side, like I wanted, because that's what I want, then it's not going to pass the percolation test by the county. And they're not going to let me build on it and I'm not going to be able to put a septic system on it. So God's like, dummy boy, I'm trying to get you to the paved road side where you can actually build a house, and then you can use the back part, which we did, to build you a fence and get you young as a couple of horses later on and have you a garden, which we did. You see what I'm saying? And that's the truth of that. And, and so we ended up with two and a half acres, and I remember the attorney sitting in his office drawing up the paperwork, and he said, okay, well, I'm going over all the stuff, and he got down to like, well, we're going to do this and do this and, and zero interest. He was, you know, fronting the money on it, owner finance, and, and no interest. And he stopped and he said, now, is this correct? No interest is going to be charged on it? And, and, and the guy said, no interest. He said, are y'all kin to one another? We, and he said, no, sir. He said, that's fine. That's y'all's business. He said, I just don't normally as an attorney see people do this unless they're family. I was just wondering if y'all was kin. And he went on doing this stuff. There is a guy, a guy that I never even met that God's moved on his heart to help me to get what God's trying to bless me with. Yeah. And we built a house out there, and yeah, it was 10, 12% interest. Uh, it was 10, 10, 11 something, I don't know what it was. But we did it, and it wasn't a big house, but we felt like we was in a mansion. We felt, <laughs> and I told y'all, I jokingly told you, and it's the truth, because we took every, how many what square feet was it? 1,400 square feet. That's not a big house, but it was big to us, I tell you that. It was bigger than that apartment, glory to God. And that's about the time that third young come along, man, and we needed it. But them bathrooms were so tiny because I kept whittling down the square foot away from the bathroom so I could have more in the living room, you know what I'm saying? And you'd sit on the toilet, and you had to do like this, close the door, and then do that because it knocked the shin, it knocked the hide off your knees. It was, I, am I lying? I'm, I'm telling you the truth. That's the way it was. I was like, glory to God, I don't care if that's big or not. You ain't, all you're going to do is do your business and get out. Glory to God. I want, I want the square foot in the living room where that fireplace was. Hallelujah. That's what I wanted. And God blessed us there, and we lived there for five years. And after five years, God moved on her to want another place. <laughs> and God blessed us with another place. And this God's favor is on your life. I remember my mom asked my wife, this is five years later, she, my mom asked her, would you ask my wife, go with me, I want to look at this house. This woman's got this house for sale, I just want to look at it and see if we might want to, you know, her and my dad buy it. So my wife went with her just to be, accompany my mom so she wouldn't have to go by herself. And my wife was standing in the backyard of this place and she was looking over a pasture back there. And it was so pretty. And uh, my wife said, uh, she said, are y'all selling that along with everything? She said, no. And she said, why would y'all, would you be interested in it? And she said, would y'all sell it? My wife said to this one woman that we didn't, would you sell it? She said, I would to y'all. She said, I know who y'all are. I know y'all love God. 
I'd sell it to y'all. It's not for sale, but I'd sell it to y'all. She said, well, how much would you want for it? She said, 20000 She said, I don't know what's back there. There's 20 or 30 acres back there. We just, whatever. But that's what I want for. 27 acres for $20,000. I don't know if you do math on that real quick, but that's about $800 or something an acre. Right? So you got, we sold the house. We put up our house, that little house, and a millionaire, multi-millionaire from Illinois, Indiana, I forget which town, bought it. He, he hung on, on my little old fireplace a picture of his ranch house in Indiana or Illinois, wherever he's from, that he grew Timothy Hay. He lived in a four-story house on a place actually that he named South Fork. God sent that man in there. He wrote a check for that like he was buying a piece of candy. He said, I just want this place. And not, not, not as a stay every now and then. He moved there. God's got people to bless you, man. You know how much money I cleared when we got through? $20,000. $20,000. I paid cash for that land. I didn't know a dime on it. Went out and built a house on it. We lived there 20 years, raised my kids there. Out in the country where they had a creek, woods. And, and if that ain't your deal, that's fine. But that was God's, God's always providing and blessing. When we lived in that little apartment and, and we were going to move to that, that land that we, that guy, two and a half acres. I come to find out where the interest stuff was, you had to have a, uh, you had to have the money in the bank to make the down payment and you had to sign a paper that you didn't get that money from nobody. You, in other words, you couldn't lie. I wasn't supposed to start out with a contract on the lie. But the reality was I didn't have that kind of money in my account. I didn't. And I wasn't going to go ask my dad. I've never asked my dad for nothing like since I got grown. I wasn't going to do that. And I, I remember I came in from the ambassadors one day from work in, in this apartment, and my wife was just bouncing around. She's like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> She was just acting crazy. And, she, and, she, and I said, what's wrong with you, woman? She saw, she's holding up a check. She said, we got this in the mail today. And I was looking at it like, that's one of them darn sweepstake checks or something that you done misread here. It ain't your, it's, it's got your name on it, but it, you ain't. Give me that. Let the man of the house look at this. <laughs> Come on, ladies, don't hate me. And I'm looking at this and, and the letter that accompanied it. And back when we had that little trailer uh, financed through a big city corp or somebody, anyway, they done something wrong. <laughs> I don't even know what and it was, they got class action sued by everybody and the mama, and, I, and they made me part of the suit. Brother got paid. And I, that money that I needed to make the down payment on that brand new house that I was getting built out there was in that one check, and we deposited in our account, and God provided right before we needed it. I'm telling you, God will do that. I mean, he's done that kind of stuff over and over and over in my life. And particularly when we were first married, it seemed like God was helping me financially. Because, and I felt like God said to me one time, if you can believe me for these things, mammon, these things that, that are not necessarily eternal weight of glory, but they're just things for my kids. These things, I mean, it's not going to change my destiny what kind of house I live in. But God cares so much about you that he numbers the hairs of your head. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Amen. And, and, and so... The dreams that you have and the hopes for better and more. I mean, I mean, how in the world can I even make up something like that? I've never even, but I, that's when I know the dreams are from God because I saw like Becky and Crawford walk before the Lord. Well, what did the Lord look like? That ain't the point of the dream. I didn't even see him, but I knew it was him. 
and, and they just walked up to him, and I saw his hand, hand him a magazine, said, Better Homes and Gardens. And I could see the magazine that said, New Home on it. New Home. And I felt like that Friday morning when I woke up, God said, You call them out. So I did that thing. I said, Well, if they ain't there this Sunday, I ain't even giving that word. I said, There's a confirmation. You, they better be there. And I first thought, thought about I said, Lord, I want both of them there. Be, let them both be there, and I'll know it's you. And I'll give the word. And I, I kept sitting, looking at Crawford sitting back there. Becky wasn't there. I said, man, I'm wrestling. I said, no, man. At the end of last Sunday, I said, I got to give this word to Crawford. Because I said, there ain't no way I can drive that truck home knowing I missed this thing here. For them, ain't, this ain't no parking lot word. This is a word to be given. And when I called him up, I was so glad that I did. Listen, I'm just a timid guy like you, man. I'm not super nothing. Just super in love with a God that loves me super. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but we have to step out in faith, and we got to believe God. And, and, and to see God care about that, and, and to me to talk to Becky. I, mean, I just loved, I told Jill we went to the restaurant, and I said, on, on the way to the restaurant, I, I said, I talked to Becky on the way here. I said, she was a mess. I said, it was a mixture of laughing and crying all together, stirred up. I remember the last time I heard somebody do that to me was, it was when I you know, had that thing happen up at the cornerstone where I pastored. And we were having a Feast of Tabernacle observances. And, and, and the Lord showed me that night before service that he wanted to heal of a little finger. There was somebody that would be there with a little finger that needed healing. And bones and screws, and injury, where they'd been injury. Now hear me now, I'm closing. And I know I've given this testimony many times. And so guess which one you think I went for first as a pastor? So I called everybody in the church that night up to the front, and I said, is there anybody here that has a little finger, the little finger, this, this injured, hurt, bothering you, uh, that needs healing in your little finger? Now, see, that's where most people won't play this, and it's not something to be played, but it's called faith. Because, see, I have to put myself in a position of I call that out and nobody responds to it. I'm not going to look great. But if your whole theology is look, but how you appear and make yourself look great, you're not going to be able to use by God very much. Right? So I said, is anybody here? And the lady lifted her, her hand and she said, me. And I said, you having a problem with your finger? She said, yeah. She said, I said, well, how long has this been bothering? She said, for probably 90 days. She said, I've heard it just aches. It's not debilitating. I can still function. But it's just an aggravation thing that hurts me every day. I said, well, let's believe God. And I just took hold of her finger. We prayed the prayer of faith. God took her pain away. I asked her right then, did the pain go? She said, yes. If the pain don't go, that don't mean God didn't heal you. Okay? But the pain left her, and so that, that boosted my expectancy. And I said, then the next thing I want to go for, I said, if you're, and I had never prayed a prayer like this in my life. I said, if you're here and you've been injured, you've got plates and screws involving where there's been a fracture, and, 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 and it's causing you problems, I believe God wants to heal you of it right now. And so I said, if, you're, if that matches you, I want you to, to come down to the very front here, and I want to pray for you. And they were like four people came. And so I, I don't even think I went down and laid hands on those four people. I just declared the healing for them. Now, what I didn't know was there was a couple in my church at that time that was, was sitting back on this side, and I, I knew the couple well, but I did not know. I had just lost track of it, I guess, that nine years prior to that service, nine years ago, that lady had fallen and broken her ankle. A very bad break, had to have surgery, and she had eight titanium screws and plates 
put into the ankle, and she fro and it froze and it lost the ability of plantar flexion. You know what I mean? She couldn't do that deal no more. So that foot was frozen in place, fused, and so when she went upstairs and walked up a thing of stairs, it was this foot. So she had to do like this to go up because that foot didn't bend. Are you with me now? And so I called that out. Her husband elbows her and says, Pastor called that out. That's you. You need to get down there. But she's a shy person. She said, I'm not going down there. I don't have to go down there. God could heal me right here. There's nothing wrong with that. And when she said that, she said, she, she t all this comes to me later. I don't know this is going on. When she says that, God can heal me right here, her ankle began to tingle. And she began to feel heat. If that happens to you, that's good. Go with that. That's good. You don't have to have it, but it's good. So she didn't even tell her husband that. So she just stands there. I pray the prayer, and she claims it in faith. She goes, they drive home, and that foot just continues to tingle and heat. To get home, he sa uh, she says, you go on in. I'm going to stay out here and pet the dog or something, the cat, whatever it was. He said, I'm going to go in and, 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 and put on some coffee, and you, you come on. In a little bit, he comes out and calls her by name and says, what are you doing? Are you coming in tonight or what? And she says, watch this. And they had very high steps going up and down. And she walked up them steps like a normal person. And as soon as he saw his wife do that, he burst into tears. And she burst into tears because they knew that God had healed. Now, I didn't know. None of this went home. I done declared the word, Lord, preached, went home, went to bed. At 730 the next morning, my phone's ringing while I was in the shower. I got out. It rang again at 8 o'clock. I took it, and it was, it was the husband. And everything I'm telling you today, he told me on the phone that morning. He said, you know, when I saw her go up them steps, and she's got ability to move her foot now that she could not move, you know what was so cool about it? A week or two prior to that healing coming to her, she had had either hip or knee, I forget which, replacement, and she had been under the process of seeing an orthopedic surgeon. Their last appointment, releasing her from that, she asked that orthopedic surgeon about that ankle. She said, can you go in and take these plates and screws out? He said, oh, I could do that. But he said, I want to tell you this, it would not give you the plantar flexion back again because the bones are fused. And uh, she said, well, my foot swells too occasionally, it, you know, and I can't wear certain shoes I want to wear. And she, he said, I can't guarantee you that it would help with that either. He said, it would not be worth the pain or the trauma to do surgery to take those plates and screws out. Let's just leave that well enough alone. She said, okay, I just wanted to ask. And a week later, here she's in service, and I call out the very thing she's suffering with. Come on, God. And, and so they, they knew she was here. She could move the foot. And so he calls me at 8 o'clock, and he said, Pastor Dale, he said, and he told me all the things I just have told you and much more. But he said, you know what we did? He said, we went in, we laughed, we cried, we shouted, we, we jumped around. He said, we tried to sleep last night, but we couldn't sleep. He said, we were like kids. He said, Brother Dale, you know you see this, but you just don't see it. But you see it, but you don't see it. That's how he was talking to me. As a pastor, can I tell you, that's the greatest gift that God ever bestows on me is to get to see sheep like you so blown away and blessed by God. When you just, when your eyes sparkle and your faith is exalted and you, and you, and you see what a good daddy we have and he hadn't forgot you. And, he, you know, and, and so that's one of the words this brother said to me Friday morning. He said, God wants you to know that he's, he has not forgotten you. See, if I listen to the, my natural brain and my natural eyes, what they see in my voice, you know, what I'll, what I'll do right now at 60 years old, be 61 here in a few days, I start turning the dial down. I start just coasting in the land. I get that retirement, quit, fold it up, your best days behind you mentality. 
God turned around and told me, he said, that's not what I want you to think. And there's Bible verse that says, remember not the former days and say that they, those days are better. For I shall do a new thing, saith God, shall you not know it? It shall spring forth before you, shall you not see it? God's always trying to call us to the new, to the better, to the more. And we, get, we, 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 we go by what we see. But faith don't go by what it sees. Faith goes by whose it knows. And, 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 and see, this is the struggle of faith, to be able to live and go against what our eyes see and what our ears hear. And to be led by the Spirit and to believe God again. When you look around in this world, it seems like we're living in a darn horror movie. Really. We, we, we went down, we just want to go down to Gainesville yesterday, you know, and I mean, it's like we're on a different planet now. I was thinking about a year ago, being in, in that same mall or something. I mean, it's a whole different deal now. And I, and I get it. I'm not oblivious to the things that are going on and the, and the reality of the suffering, and I understand that. But I do believe that uh, uh, faith is the answer, not fear. And I'm not saying don't do things to protect yourself. I, we all using more alcohol spray on your hands. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm not saying, you know, that you check your brain at the door and go, uh, you know. The pastor that married me and that woman 40 years ago, his wife just passed away of this mess. He couldn't even go to the funeral because he was in ICU. I mean, this, this is a pastor that every video I got of my kids, VHS, you remember that? Birthdays, I mean, he's on them. That's how close. Over 40 years ago, he married us. And he went home yesterday from the hospital. But his wife didn't go with him. And I understand the reality of that. And they were telling people, you might want to see him. He's come home, but you can't come see him. And we get that. We understand it. And his, his back fence joins my mama's back fence. They're, that's how close the properties are together. And this, this is a pastor that I love and grew up with. And then I came back to God, you know, as a backslider under his preaching when I was 19 years old. He's close to my heart. And it broke my heart that, that, that Sister Blair, we, you, know, that she, we, you know, she went to be with the Lord. She's healed today, I tell you that. But, I mean, it, you know, he's, he's brokenhearted, you know. In the natural, but the Lord's still the comfort. So I, so I get the reality of what this nation is facing. I don't even like to say the word. I'm so sick of hearing it, seeing it, and reading it. You know what I'm saying? But you don't change the reality that God hadn't changed. That's the, they're, they're, yeah, there's things that are true, but I'll tell you this, there's things that are more true than that. And it's true that I'm standing before you, but it's also more true that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It, you, know, you know, and I went home uh, Sunday, and I told there's so many things I'm praying to God about and for, okay? Not material things, but I would love some answers on some stuff. And I'd love God to speak to me. And I told my wife, I said, I said see there? <laughs> God can speak to me anytime he wants to. And I said, all the stuff that I've done sent up to him, questions and things that I need answers on, and here he comes and I don't even pray about, and he gives, he, then I get this word. And it's so accurate and for this couple, and I'm thankful for that, but there's a part of me I'm sorry that goes. Now that, you know what that does is prove to me you still talk to me. <laughs> How about being for speaking about some of the stuff I've done talked to you about? I would love to just be able to sit down with God and say, okay, now let's go over this list here. I got, wouldn't you? Come on, who wouldn't? But you know what you do between the in between or what we call the meantime. In the meantime, you know it's kind of meantime because time's mean. 
In other words, this is on the flesh, is you don't like the weight. Why is it taking so long, God? Why, why, why ain't I already got this? Why, this, why hadn't this happened? Why, that? You know, if I would have done what I wanted to do, my high, and I don't mean this offensive now to whatever you live in. I don't know what you live in. I ain't talking about that. I'm just saying that in my life, I was trying to settle for less than what God wanted me in. See, because if I had bought the double wide, and I could have sold it, but I'd probably lost money, and I probably, and I sure wouldn't have cleared no $20,000 to be able to go out and buy that other land. You, you understand what I'm saying? God was trying to, see, I didn't even have a, a heart to shoot for that because a poverty mentality and poverty thinking had beat me down that I didn't even think like that and like God wanted me to think. Now, I've had a few years for God to renew my mind. Amen. And God gave me a wife to kind of help me. <laughs> Amen. She's got far more vision. You know, her vision is, she, anyway, praise God for women. They got some vision. And, uh, you know, it's like I told Fordo, you know, well, I need to change this light out. I said, it, it's just not, it's not ever going to end, is it, darling? It don't matter. It's, it just ain't going to end. Might well roll with it. Hallelujah. All right, let's change lights. <laughs> she said, well, I just like to update. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Okay. Happy, happy wife, happy life. Ain't that what they say? Whatever you're believing God for, it could be healing. See, when I gave that testimony, you got a problem with your ankles? Maybe one reason God released that to me is because God healed me of ankle problems. It wasn't plates and screws, but God healed me of something that I was born with in my ankles and lived until I was 38 years old, and God healed me. And God used a man in my church to set me in a chair on a Friday night at church to pray for my healing. And you know it took it two weeks plus, two, two and a half weeks I think it was, before the healing that was declared actually manifested in my body to be without pain. I was sleeping with a cast on my right leg every night. I, I would get up and put my feet on the floor and experience pain every day when I stood up and put weight on it. And, and I got prayed for that Friday night. And I'm still learning, but I got prayed for, and I got declared healed, but I still hurt. Anybody ever wrestle with that in your head? And I hurt, and I hurt the next day, and then I wrestled over, do I take my pain medicine, and do I take the steroids that the doctors have got me on, and the anti do I take the medicine? Because some guy had told me that if you take medicine, that shows you ain't got no faith. So I didn't know what to do. Can I tell you if you're struggling with that stuff? I mean, if you, if you take the medicine. Do you know no pill ain't going to stop God from healing you? Do you, you understand that? Do you know it ain't about the pill? See, you're focusing on the pill. Focus on Jesus. And I remember some of the brothers would call me from the church over the next couple weeks, and they'd say, Pastor, how you doing? You know, you healed. Glory to God, ain't you? Now, I ain't no liar. I say, well, I'm, I'm claiming it. I'm believing it. But see, I, I knew I was hurting. And sometimes the present pain of the, the, the pain that you're feeling is more real than the word that came to you. But I can tell you about two and a half weeks later one morning, I got up, put my feet on the floor, popped that cast off, and stood up, and I had no pain whatsoever. And God healed me at 38 years of age. Listen, whatever you're believing God for, don't make it have to be instant. Don't, don't make it. I mean, God can do it instantly, and I have seen God do instantaneous miracles. But those are not healings. Don't get them confused. Those are miracles. There is a difference between a miracle and a healing. Healing is gradual. Let's say you've got some kind of natural biological disease, and they got a cure for you, and they go give you the pill. But you don't walk out the office and go, thank God, doctor, I'm healed. No. You know you're going to get better gradually. It's going to change in your life. You believe that? 
I want you to stand with me. I didn't even get to that message. And that's my bad. My good. Hallelujah. I don't think God wanted us to. I think he wanted us to talk about this stuff. Because this is what's going on in our congregation right now in the moment. To me, that was an awfully big deal last Sunday. It blessed them, which blessed me, but it blessed me that, that God's moving actively. It blessed me the, the things that's going on. And the fire of God that was prophesied over me Friday morning, that blessed me. You may feel like a minority in whatever sense that that's wrestling with you. But God says you're going to be the majority. Do you understand? That you don't have to pray for favor. You just thank him for it. And ask God to touch these people that, that he's going to use to bless you. So that their hearts will be turned. The heart of the king's in the hand of the Lord. And he can turn it. And God's got good things for you. I want you to believe for more than you're believing for. Don't let a calendar tell you what God can do for you. Don't, don't let a cat, you understand what I mean by that? Don't let your age say, well, I'm too old now for this. Or I'm so old, they would never hire me. Man, they're probably looking for you right now. Don't let your calendar, don't let the pain in your body, don't let what somebody else says that's not believing God, don't let all that stuff get into your mind. Follow the leadership of God. So if you need healing, I want you to receive it. Because God wouldn't have me talk about it if he didn't want to do it again, God. So I declare healing for every ankle and every pain and joints and where there's been injury. Anybody here that's been injured from some kind of accident where there, there's pain in your body that's still residual and left over from that accident. Uh, if that's you right now, I feel that so strong. If, if you're here and you, you've got some kind, I don't care if it was falling off a ladder or a car, but you, you got hurt some way and you still experience pain due to that. Would you hold your hand up? Okay. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just receive the healing right now that these injuries shall not be something that plagues their bodies any longer. Lord, I declare healing for their bodies because you're the healer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, I want you to receive that right now. Right now. Just receive it. Amen. Come on, give God praise. That's right. Give God praise for that. Now, you could be standing there. I, I was amazed at how many hands went up. You could be standing there, and you can be instantly the pain. Inst I mean, all of it's gone right now. Or you could say, well, I like me, I'm still hurt. It, neither one of it makes, that's not wh what it is, okay? Are, 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 is there someone here, though, that you were hurting before I said that prayer, and now you're not hurting now? Hold your hand up. You were hurting, but now you're, yeah, right here. You, well, praise God for that. Amen. Amen. You were hurting. Now you're not hurting. So, sometimes it's that quick. Sometimes you just walk, it, walk out in it by faith. And, just, and what do you do but in the meantime? Just thank him. Just thank him, Lord. I can't say that after that guy prayed for me that night that I was just moving in a big turn of faith because then people was calling me and I was feeling like, because I wanted it to go away. But I had had it for so long that it was hard for me to believe that it would go away. I was born with it. Born with problems in my ankles. And so it's okay. Jesus has got faith. It's his faith that you're working off of anyway, not yours. It's faith in him. Amen? Man, we love you guys. Are you blessed and encouraged today? Come on, give the Lord praise. God bless you. Amen. We love you, Grace Point. See you next Sunday. God bless you.